0: Tom Lee is now uh, advocating that investors should be looking for dividend stocks. (laughs) God, I love that guy. This episode of LedgerCast is brought to you by Brave New Coin. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash BNC to check it out and join the waitlist for BNC Pro, which is a comprehensive suite of tools to help you analyze your portfolio, manage it, uh, view reports, and all sorts of cool stuff both for your individual and business portfolios. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Brave New Coin newsletters. You can do that directly from the homepage and get daily and weekly summaries of everything you need to keep track of this industry. Thanks to Brave New Coin for being a Ledger Status partner. And remember to go to ledgerstatus.com BNC to check out everything that they have to offer. All right. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I am here today with Josh Olswich. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Oh, it's going we're well. Both, we're both coffeeed up, so we're ready we're, to go. We're coffeeed up, ready to go. I'm uh, I'm high on legacy markets right now, just enjoying the blood. How are you doing today? Good. You know, it's funny that crypto is so quiet,
1: uh, volatility-wise, with legacy, like just all over the place in this past week.
0: Yeah, I feel like, uh, well, at least overnight, I feel like Bitcoin kind of got ahead of things. had a had a little move up three four hundred bucks, which is not nothing. Um, yeah, and the the, percentage
1: percentage wise, it's like what is that three percent? No,
0: yeah, about three four percent of ten thousand. Okay. Um, yeah, okay, and I don't know. I feel like legacy markets have just been waiting and kind of going into today with this oh my gosh what's jerome powell gonna say uh he's up in jackson hole it's like a it's like a central banker getaway every year i listened to a podcast on npr about why they go to jackson hole one time and they tend to like make policy from there one time alan Mm -hmm. greenspan apparently just cut rates without any input from the rest of the board uh while he was in Jackson Hole, which is an alpha move. Uh <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you been? Have you been to Jackson Hole? I've always wanted I, to go. I haven't. I have some friends that have done like a snow season there, but I've never done anything like that. So. It's like a rich people's playground out here. Yeah.
1: And I've seen pictures, yeah. they're great. Great pictures.
0: Yeah, it looks like a lovely landscape. I don't know why yeah. central bankers chose there for their field trips. Bunch um, of emptiness to clear the mind. <laughs> yeah get get the spreadsheets out of your head except for when he goes like he's 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 expected to like make market changing like comments and and telegram today I was like where's the speech my friends were like it's not a speech it's comments and I was like where's the text it's like there's no text where's the link there's no link it's just comments and I'm like what does that even mean like just tell me what he's freaking saying and uh, the markets just sat around for a bit they were down a little bit on China Hitting back with tariffs, and then uh, his comments, or however you want to call it, as the market reacted <laughs> to them, it kind of lifted them back up a little bit. He didn't like cut rates on the spot or anything ridiculous like that, but he just talked about accommodating. and uh, And then Trump came out and was like, "The Fed did nothing again. Like, who's our greater enemy, uh, Z or Powell?" And it's like, oh my god, and the market immediately started going down. So it went from down 1% because of China to back up to in the green for like a hot minute to now we're looking at legacy markets down like two and a half percent. The yuan is moving up very quickly and Bitcoin hasn't really done anything since all that drama started, but was up a few percent ahead of time. So I've been watching these correlations, even blogged about it. Do you have any thoughts on whether Bitcoin is playing a part in the macro landscape or the news of the day landscape of legacy markets i don't so the the
1: yuan thing specifically i don't think in reality like there's massive chinese capital flight happening right now i don't think we can like definitively prove that in any way but i think enough people think that that's happening <laughs> yeah that it's like i don't even think self-fulfilling prophecy is the right term but it's just like A speculator
0: uh, activity yeah, that's linked yeah. in the two yeah <laughs>
1: yeah it's there's enough people talking about it to that it's sort of become a false reality maybe that's a better term um so yeah the higher this usd cnh goes the better for crypto specifically bitcoin um we you know again and the only reason i know anything about this is because in 2014 2015 2016 that's all we were talking about was the evaluations um and then i think january 2017 was when china finally put the ban hammer on Uh, the domestic exchanges Mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, So they, you know, again, that's sort of confirmed to some degree that there was something going on there, right? Yeah. They're just trying to plug plug the sinking ship or whatever.
0: Yeah, they're plugging holes of at least something that may be small now and they're trying to prevent it from becoming big or something. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so that's partly why I looked into these correlations. So I did a blog post that is... Uh, It was basically just a comparison of two things. It was Bitcoin correlation to various legacy markets. So I did gold, I did the yuan, I did uh, like the S&P, and I did bonds. Yeah, I think that was all. And one was just kind of showing the charts side by side. And then I also did a correlation coefficient where you can set like a rolling basis for how many days – or bars you want to compare. So I did 90 days so like how correlated are they over the course of, you know, 3 months? And um, pretty much all of them the correlation coefficient graph that's on TradingView like it kind of rolls, you know, like there are times where it will say it's inversely correlated, but then if you look at the chart, it's more like it just kind of led. So while Bitcoin was still dumping, gold had already bottomed out. But the general trends basically follow the same path in my mind. Um, so it was interesting to see like how that correlation coefficient works and kind of what can we determine from that? And the, uh, Yuan was interesting because it's had really strong correlations, but it's gone both ways because the, uh, Yuan was gaining strength or, you know, according to the chart that I had, it was going down at the same time as Bitcoin was, uh, Blowing off the top and then going into the first stages of the bear market. And it was like highly inversely correlated, but then it went to highly correlated. And then, but certainly since we broke off of like 4K after, you know, post bear market, that big first big breakup back when Moku's revenge episode occurred, <laughs> uh, that was when the correlation started going like super, super. Uh, together between Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and the the yuan. So it seems pretty cyclical with that and right now we're quite correlated with it and uh, I don't know it's been interesting. I even zoomed that one in to like lower time frame price action so I show I think a one hour chart and for some of these like big impulses uh, you can see it's also triggering some kind of impulse move with Bitcoin even if it doesn't necessarily like not every time was it Up even, but it it seemed like when the volatility came for currencies, Bitcoin was catching on to that volatility as well.
1: Yeah, and I don't think any of it's like actionable. Like the USDC and H going up isn't going to make me click the buy button, but it is just helping me establish a further bullish bias um, based on trend. You know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. I follow one one to one (laughs) sometimes, but. You can't just like blindly 100x long because the USDC and H is at 713 and 11 year high or whatever
0: it is. Yeah, I buy into that as well. And what it's made me think is like, okay, so Bitcoin consolidates up here. If you look at the daily on Bitcoin, like it just looks like it's turning into a gigantic pennant or something. Um, of course, it can break both ways. But what it's making me feel is like if the macro is pointing in this way where, these tensions are escalating further. The yuan is continuing to uh, devalue, and while Bitcoin's like on the lower end of that pennant, I'm a little less likely to say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play for this to break down." And instead, I might bias myself towards, "I'm gonna play for this to leg back up into the top side of the pennant." So it's like just a minor adjustment into how I might otherwise play price action, but I'm still gonna play pay most attention to Bitcoin's price action itself.
1: Yeah, and I I haven't really traded much the past two weeks. It's mainly just like in and out of hedges that <laughs> probably have like a fifty percent hit rate. As far as you know, like if I'm if I'm sleeping, I want to be hedged. If I think it's going down, obviously, right? But it's like yeah, I, is is being out of crypto like being full cash here better than being hedged while you're sleeping? Uh, probably just because of like the amount of chop that's going on like I don't think we're breaking out of this pennant anytime soon or uh, tri- symmetrical triangle technically is what it is um but I do think there's a bullish bias overall here we're above the 200 we're above the cloud on the daily we're above the 20 SMA on a weekly like all of this stuff we're above the median line on the pitchfork the from 2015 so like there's a lot of technicals that point to bull market conditions so i think Mm -hmm. holding crypto is fine at least for btc eth is the complete opposite but um so yeah the question is like do you want to be sure do you want to be hedged during chop or do you want to be in cash during chop i think is like the big question here
0: yeah i mean i certainly think we're in a big choppy zone what i run into is i my i can flip because like today, we have a 3% up day, but we just yesterday like wicked down kind of to the lower tiers of what this consolidation zone has been if you're going to maintain some degree of like higher lows or whatever. And when you're in the downside of that, it looks like, oh, no, we're on the precipice of falling and like this mm-hmm. is just a big double top. And then when you have this 3% up day, it's like, ooh, this actually looks like it's taking shape as a gigantic bullish consolidation pattern. <laughs> <So> it's <laughs> like you could you can just question yourself and chop yourself up so bad that I've been trying to define like, okay, what are the actual levels where it it is a confirmed breakdown? And you're missing a significant part of a move if you're trying to speculate on that. But you're also in a time where it's just chopping so much, you're kind of avoiding the nonsense, you know?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, not trading. <laughs> this is like such yeah, a it's, meme. Yeah, it's not trading. But, and I- but not trading is a trade, you know? <laughs> it's like, you need to know when you should be trading when you shouldn't be trading and if obviously if it's choppy like this you're probably not going to do great you know your hit rate on any trade in general when there's nothing when there's no there there as far as like impetus for being in a position your hit rate's going to be pretty poor in general at least for me yeah and i would say like,
0: for me the idea of not trading means holding spots still or at least like some spot you know
1: right which is where i'm at currently as far as like hedging while I'm sleeping or, or not hedging while I'm sleeping, but
0: still holding a spot for sure. Yeah. And then again, going back to this idea that we've talked about for years now on this podcast is knowing that it, (laughs) we started this like in the latter half of 2017, probably October.
1: All right. Um, Go ahead. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's been, it's been a minute. um, And, you know, like if you consider okay, well, I've been in say your average you know on this cycle is not thirty one hundred but it's four k or something if you like try to figure out some kind of average hmm. um well, just because it topped at thirteen nine doesn't mean you'll catch thirteen nine but you want to try to catch the middle even on your holds like you're not you don't need to think like, oh well, I didn't make exactly the bottom to top amount on my portfolio. Because your confirmation to get out of the market isn't necessarily when you hit ten point five. It's more like, you know, maybe you hit nine point seven or like whatever your zone is to say, okay, I'm going to sit out for a while, wait till this uh, figures itself out, and wait for wait until I find the right dip to buy. Um, and if you do get out of the market to some degree, like you say, okay, it's moved too fast. I'm out some at eleven k or twelve k or top side of this pennant. Well, then your buy back it might not be until eleven point five or like twelve point one or some level that you you identify for yourself, and that's that's never capturing all of it unless you just flat out you know buy hold, never sell until you just can't bear it anymore, but you're then risking yourself to the downside more as well,
1: yeah, and this like accumulation or distribution, period, whichever it is, yeah. yeah. well arguably like when volatility drops and we're consolidating and where we were previously in a trend arguably for me that's always continuation regardless of the bias should be continuation at least if the uh, trend has not shown a reversal yet right unless there's some like pattern or something but you know it's like yeah if we want a multi-month bull trend this is what we need we need you know what is this now 200 days it can't be 200 days no just measure it real quick um, but we need this uh, 58 days, so you need this like multi-month just chill period, you know, for mm-hmm. people to to buy, sell, get in position, get out of position, whatever. If we're gonna get this, you know, 16 month bull trend or whatever we had last last run, what was that? That was uh, 800 days, let's say. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not gonna get an 800 day bull trend if you're not chilling for 60, you know. Right. Well, we've had in that in that 800 day bull trend there were multiple 60, 50, 70 day
0: periods where we just went sideways chopped, you know. So this Oh yeah. This May, is definitely normal. May 24th ish 2017 marked the top and then we did have a higher high uh like a higher zone but uh then it took until we bo- we you know we bottomed June, July 16th, so basically two months later, and then we didn't break the high again until like July, you know, August 1st or something like that. So basically from May 24th to August 1st, like you could have just been out of the market that whole time and missed nothing uh, before it continued on. So months of consolidation is totally normal and a bull trend and and needed because I mean, this is what I have talked about a couple of times, like we were on pace to break all time highs, if we just maintained that mega parabola, we were on yeah. pace to like break all time highs before winter, like much less like, <laughs> yeah. next year. Um, yeah. And in order to make a push, like a put, I'm, am, I'm, am, it's my opinion that a push to the next level up, 15, 16 K, uh, that's going to take some like serious consolidation. And that's what we're having. Like we are in the probably latter third. Of a decision point, in my opinion, is I think I think before this consolidation lasts 90 days, I think we will make a discerned breakout.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Uh, we have CME Rollover on the 30th, which is in seven days, and then we have backed opening on the 23rd, which is in 30 days. Right. So,
0: yeah. So we'll have we'll have action before the end of September. We both agree on that.
1: Yeah, I definitely think
0: that uh, maybe earlier. That next could, month
1: is going to be pretty big. Yeah,
0: I could sure. actually see, I could see a breakout occurring by the CME deadline, and then a a full decision, like so, like new high, new highs, or whatever, uh, by the end of September. If it's if it's bullish continuation, you have those two things. You have the breakout that says like, okay, we've left this general consolidation, but you don't necessarily breach the prior high because that's thirteen point nine. You got a long way to go from breakout to equal high. So, yeah. If it's bullish, yeah. if it if it's bearish, right. then it could take take some time to get down to whatever we end at. You know, whether it's eighty five hundred, like we talked about last episode, or seventy two hundred, or whatever. That takes a while too. Yeah, I mean, a, a few days ago, well, a few weeks ago,
1: maybe we were talking about this head and shoulders possibility, where this is just a giant head in a macro head and shoulders i think that's maybe less possible now but you know i'm looking at this on the two day it almost looks like an inverted adam eve yeah so you know if we break 10k which is a massive psychological level as well we've held above 10k pretty well um even though we're in the cloud we haven't touched the bottom of the cloud at 8.8 or 9.5 yet yeah so we have those levels to test we have the 200 on the daily at 8.3 to test so you know it's not over if we like drop down a lot. I see a lot of people posting like the, um, uh, the hack fractal. Yeah. And it's like, if, if you look at fractals, not knowing what happened d- during the fractal, I think you're a little, uh, missing the mark a little bit just because that event, like we're going to need an event to have like a 30% down day or whatever that was, uh, argue in my opinion, like, I don't think we're just going to drop, Um thirty percent would bring us to seven two. Like I don't think we just do that on a whim. I think it's definitely gonna be like a black swan sort of situation.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know. I've seen two fractals commonly. One is the uh that continuation fractal of Bitfinex hack or whatever. The other is the end of twenty seventeen blow off top fractal, which I also don't buy. Um my friend Johnny really likes that one, um, but I just I agree with him that it's gonna like just like when we were at twenty k, it was gonna take a lot to like push up for another leg and say go to thirty k or whatever. Not that it was impossible, but I I agree with him on that front. Like I think you need a significant a macro landscape, new buyers. You have to give people reason to come in and say, you know what, I do like Bitcoin when it's well over ten thousand dollars. Um, to push it another another level, to make people believe that we're going to go to all-time highs, break all-time highs, and then go bazoinga from there. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot of buying power that you have to pull into the market. Um, I think that takes a lot to bring in. I think a lot of people are still burned on Bitcoin, so I agree it requires a lot, um, but I don't agree. I don't really think that it's just like a gigantic fractal before we go another like 60 70 percent drop and go back to 4k or something yeah, Not I mean, it's in that gonna camp. take it's
1: gonna take a lot of buying volume, volume to get back up for sure but um, based on consolidation based on the, uh, oscillator sort of resetting here there's plenty of like okay we're good to go now you know like we've oh, chilled yeah. for a sufficient amount of time here so, and I think there is yeah. If it does happen, you know that's completely reasonable.
0: And I think there's sufficient um, in mark in like internal money market money that comes from crypto to push it a pretty good ways. Uh, maybe even a retest of all time highs is possible with existing flows. Like you don't need tons of new inflows to mm-hmm. do that. But that said, like, there are apparently institutional inflows coming. Like Coinbase is trying to brag about. Whatever they said, two hundred million dollars a week or something. A week or a day, like that number just seems ridiculous to me. Whatever it was, it was high. You remember the article?
1: Yeah, but that was that's custody. That's not necessarily buying volume, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, but they've got to be buying. The custody is coming from somewhere, unless people are leaving some other custody provider. We just don't we don't know the drama there. Right. Um, It's insinuation though that there is increased interest, and Coinbase is the biggest name in crypto. Certainly to the institutional folks, um, big holders, all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe it's people just staking their tezzies. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, one last thing I'll just say about BTC. Like, the daily cloud, I just keep looking at it over and over again. And it's like, we have a bit bearish TK cross. If we get a bullish TK cross with price above cloud, You're all in. we'll see... We'll see. Uh, definitely a retest of thirteen. You know, my my year end target is thirty, if things go as planned. Man.
0: That's a hell of a target.
1: It is it is a hell of a target. But you know, Q four historically has been really good. That's when we get our, our good bull runs in Q four.
0: I will tell you this. I will tell you this, Josh. And you, you tell <laughs> you dispel you dispel it for me. But I okay. am I am in disbelief over 30k year okay. end. I am not. I am not ready. My body is not ready.
1: I mean, it's gonna. It, t- it takes a certain certain gumption to get us there. I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, it's just like rate of change targets. I think 22 is pretty inevitable if we break 13, just because that's the next yearly pivot, and that's essentially previous all time high. But that'll take some buying power for sure you know but macro wise there's plenty of stuff going on in the world to uh, arguably propel us up there
0: yeah I don't I don't disagree with that and I think you know part of my whole some of my thoughts has been like just trying to question trying to discern is Bitcoin playing a role in the macro market that's part of where this correlations blog post came from I definitely think Bitcoin is in the conversation for the macro landscape um, and that's, I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, 30K it's 30 K is just, ex, that's expensive it, Bitcoin, man. Yeah. I mean, 30, so
1: 32 is the R4 pivot yearly pivot. So it goes 22, 27, 32. So, okay. I mean, that's, it's a tall order for sure. But, uh,
0: you said that's R3. R four even R four so like oh, his,
1: realistically probably not going to happen. Um, hey, I can't just a primer remember.
0: for people. Pivots are based oh. on uh math. The, they're, they're math, the, math. They're math, but it's basically <laughs> auto-generated levels based on the prior period. If you're looking at yearly pivots, it's using the prior yearly range. So the prior the 2018 closing price becomes P. Uh, and then it takes into account the volatility or the highs and lows of 2018 in order to determine S1 R1, which are your supports. One if it goes down, R1 if it goes up. And then there's S2 R2, S3 R3. Do you know exactly the f- uh, what's taken into account for calculating what your say resistances are? R1, R2. It's like high low. I don't know. It's not yeah, like it's some kind of high low. High low times <laughs> look two. It
1: yeah, um, uh, here's where the thirty. Here's where the thirty K target came from. So if you take all time high down to the December low, if you fib that out, the one six one eight is $30,250 $30, dollars. That is the one six one eight. That's where the thirty K target came. One
0: point six one. A one point six one eight. Which I I'm a big pivots are not based on fibs. You can do Fibonacci Fib-pivots. based pivots, fib pivots, yeah. but that's not what they're naturally based on. Uh, but I do like one point. I, I, I like the point six one eight, both for retraces and extensions. Um, yeah. This would, um, if we do hit thirty k end of year, uh,
1: that would may mean that we uh, break out of this pitchfork again. So yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think at least nineteen by June for June by mid June twenty twenty. Will be a 19k.
0: Gotcha. Okay, the R1 is P, which is the closing price of the prior year, times two minus the low of the prior year. So it's a pretty weird calculation, but they are very nice. Like if you if, if you've never turned on pivots, slap them on there. It's uh, it's a pretty cool metric to look at. Like you can look at weekly pivots or monthly pivots, and then toss up your price action and you'll be surprised how often it comes into play where the especially those R1 and S1s as kind of your bounce levels i like yeah, just them. like how, how they're drawn
1: the yearly pivots are drawn january 1st of the year yeah and, they and then you have that so as a basis for the rest of the year <laughs> right like the S1 from 2017 uh, 2018 the S1 mm-hmm. we ended up hitting it december mid december like that was the bottom from a pivot that drawn, that was drawn in January. So, you know, these these pivots might seem ridiculous, but a lot of times, sure, it's just like tomfoolery trying to think like they matter. But to me, they matter. To me, they matter. Like, we stopped at 13. That's R one. I don't know. Like, it seems pretty
0: real to me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I like them. I, li- I like pivots. Another one I like is... Uh, open high, uh, OHLC data, open high, low and close. So you can do like prior month, prior year OHLC. Those don't give you extensions. That's the nice p- piece about pivots is they say like, okay, where the where once you go beyond that, now what? But there's your your TA tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what this, I started this segment using, brought um, to you by Brave New Coin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're an enterprise fund manager or a retail trader, buying and selling cryptocurrencies successfully requires price discovery you can rely on. Brave New Coins liquid indices provide trusted U.S. dollar prices for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple. Featuring end-of-day or intraday outputs, you can count on the BLX, ELX, and XRPLX for accurate U.S. dollar pricing for smart contract oracles, settlement price discovery, net asset valuation, and performance analysis. Visit bravenewcoin.com to find out up more
1: that's why that's why i started using uh pivots because i needed like upside or downside like i can i know when it's a bull or bear trend but what i didn't know with the cloud is like where are the resistance targets where are the support targets so things like pivots things like uh volume profile of the visible range (VPVR), those things help you determine
0: like what are what are likely targets here uh, yeah same particularly thing with particularly in a trending market where you're going into uh, price discovery uh, realms mm-hmm. unknown um, yeah, yeah, yeah something that you can take your own bias out of it you can draw it in advance and say this this is a resistance or a support that I can uh, you know take into consideration
1: yeah and the same thing with the pitchfork like again December February was the bottom of the pitchfork that's the bottom of those s- the bottom, you know, yeah. and then uh June twenty seventh or whatever it is was the top of the pitchforks. So That's the top, you know. We pulled back. Yeah, so you, uh, you like you like the pitchforks. I s- there are a more little, people in this world, Brian, that don't I, like pitchforks than yeah. do. That is a fact.
0: Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little more skeptical of pitchforks, and I'll I'll tell you why. And it's mostly because with with a pitchfork you have an anchor. And your anchor is basically determining the uh, the magnitude of your your channel, and like whether it's going to be mm-hmm. like at an extreme angle or less extreme. And there mm-hmm. are there is the guidance areas, yeah. for where to put your anchor, but it's not locked yeah. in stone. And therefore, it becomes it opens me up to my own bias again and makes it challenging for me to identify.
1: I mean, the anch- This is okay. This is, let me just break make the case real quick. This is... The anchor is from the January 2015 low.
0: And we've been in the same pitchfork since then. So, uh, I don't know. like, Except for when we, like, busted out of it for, like, six months right. or a year. Right, right,
1: right. That, like... I don't but, know. But
0: we're back on deep, that midline. Like,
1: right. But I don't have, like, deep, deep knowledge about pitchforks. Other than, like, its rate of change and... It's a trending market, blah blah blah. So, like when it breaks above a bullish pitchfork, that doesn't really make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, well, it's a sign of the the hype and the the momentum in the market, which right, is also just, a sign that that probably won't last. I'll tell you this: I don't, I have a hard time drawing them when I see a channel or something applied. Which a pitchfork is just a channel. That's all it is. Mm-hmm, but yeah. when I see a channel applied on a long-term asset. In a market where assets generally go up, like the S and P, historical Bitcoin, sure, both of those. Um, I do believe in those channels and those channel breakouts. I just it can be a challenge when I'm trying to like draw them myself and stuff like that because my bias comes into play.
1: Um, I I think the hardest part too is like believing that a diagonal line from 2015 like matters you know it's like the pivots like believing that january a line drawn on uh january 1st matters in december 15th you know yeah um but you have to use it enough be experienced with it and say like okay this is this this might have a shot here and then you shoot your shot and you you take it right yeah you I see what know.
0: happens yeah i guess i but would he, say if you make me choose between say um breaking a prior level and like say it's an all time high. And if you say mm-hmm. choose between the 1.618 or go draw a pitchfork or a channel and like project it into the future, I'm gonna take the mm-hmm. six I'm gonna take the point six one eight.
1: Well it depends for me on like the time frame or the time preference, time horizon, whatever. sure um, that's like, true too again, this is a this is a almost five year old channel we're in.
0: You know, you know, you know what I'm going to take over all of that. It's not target related, but it's just like what, how we doing? It's the 200-day moving average. Every time, yeah, every yeah.
1: time. I mean, that's the that's the litmus test. That's but then, part of, of the course, the, the that's stuff.
0: usually that's usually only to decide okay, where am I going to find like support or something because it's not projecting targets unless it's like well under it. Um, so that's why these other tools right. come into play when it comes to setting targets because it's already you know it bounced off the 200 and you say well what's my target well it can be lower moving averages or something but those are all just it's those are history so you're when you're projecting off into the future these other tools become into play and they become helpful
1: right you should always know like support resistance it's like driving you know you always know your outs when you're driving that's one thing i learned at driver's ed that i'll never forget
0: know your outs how am That's I going right. to stop? How am I going to steer?
1: You know, if traffic comes to a complete stop all of a sudden, am I going to pull off to the side of the road? Am I in the middle lane? Can I, you know, is there somebody behind me? You know, you're always, you're always looking for that sort of stuff.
0: You know, when I drive, this is why I get triggered by people that tailgate really <laughs> close. Like when they're just all up on you, you're like, you know mm-hmm. what? You are not giving yourself an out because I can stop right, right here. I That's can true. just slam on the brakes and you're done for, buddy. You are over leveraged in that left That's- lane. <laughs> that's true. I'm yeah, that guy. I'm that peaks. grumpy I'm that grumpy guy that does the triple tap on the brake to be like, hey, cool it, you know, behind me. These lights are for you. Do you know that I don't guy? Even drive. Ever,
1: yeah, yeah, I know I know what you're talking about, but I don't even drive that much anymore. Um <laughs> so so I don't even kinda of don't remember what driving was like. you um, just
0: travel the highways of the internet. That's right. <laughs> just surf in the lab. Um, oh my god, I need so, more coffee. so so speaking of uh
1: trends and stuff eth is just the complete opposite of everything we just talked about below the 200 (laughs) below the cloud below the 20 sma on the weekly um you know again ICO treasuries keep selling this uh, plus token ponzi had 10 million eth or two billion dollars in eth they collected so that undoubtedly is part of the the unraveling of eth uh Still, you know, I don't know how much they still have or how much they're still selling. They sold a lot of it on Huobi.
0: Huobi, how Wobie. do you pronounce the H on that baby?
1: Or Huobi? <laughs> <laughs>
0: people in the West say. Well, you know, Josh, that's why I'm in on Ethereum. <laughs> just take everything <laughs> I just said, <laughs> throw it out the window. Uh, I I am in a speculative a speculator's position, uh, trying to call the Ethereum bottom, which. Probably won't end well. Let's just throw that out there. Uh, so if we look
1: at, what if, if we look at the fifty two hundred, like it's definitely a death
0: cross on the daily ETH USD pair, for sure. Also, the twenty and the two hundred are like right on each other right now, and the price is right under the two hundred. This is a classic uh, moving average maximalist like myself short setup for uh, ETH USD. <laughs> it's just short it yeah, when from, we when we whatever, consolidate below two hundred.
1: Yeah, when we consolidate below high time frame averages, that is not a good sign. However, there is a nice falling wedge going on right now.
0: That's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, me being a dumb speculator, I like the I like the falling wedge. It's not perfect, but there is a it's severe s- diagonal uh, condensing happening. Um, There's a lot of touches too on that uh, yeah. both sides of that, which is yeah. important. There's even a div in there. There is. So I'm I've been watching that, especially when it's all in lower volume. Obviously, when this breaks, it's going to be pretty severe either way. Um, but I think it provides an impulse opportunity if it does break up with that 2200 on the USD on the USD pair. Um, the other thing that I've been looking at is on the BTC pair. It's obviously. Freaking wrecked, but it did make some low and middle time frame uh, higher lows, and it is intraday basically right at it. But it's been battling the Bollinger Band midline, aka 20-day simple moving average, aka also the cloud tinkin. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. kind of battling around there. So my play has basically been to speculate that it's gonna make a push above that. And it did intro day yesterday. And I kind of bought right basically right on the 20 day yesterday. Uh so I'm not like sitting here. If it breaks yesterday's lows, I'm out, you know, like so my stop is really tight. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. but I'm speculating that it will maintain some kind of higher low unless we have significantly more BTC volatility. But I'm honestly encouraged by the fact that we had a three to four percent move in Bitcoin and less than a one percent move on the ETH BTC pair to the downside, um, and ETH USD went with Bitcoin a bit. So uh, if the volatility uh, doesn't get like super high on Bitcoin, then I'm kind of optimistic on ETH BTC, willing to take a chance, I guess is the way I would put it.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. I think for the ETH USD pair, like what's the downside on a long here? I think the downside's one fifty to one sixty. At least you're gonna you're gonna need a- going to get a pit stop there at the very least you know so that would be your stop loss and the other thing with playing these falling wedges rising wedges um, you just put a stop loss at the lows and you say well you know the low is 175 so you know
0: put your stop loss at 172 or something I don't know maybe yeah. you get stop hunted maybe you don't but and that's um, that's not nothing I mean that's $20 downside on ETH USD and you don't know what Bitcoin's doing so if Bitcoin's going up and you're down 20 bucks on ETH, uh, ETH then you're pretty pissed <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's not great Like, but what's the R&R here it's got to be it's pretty good because the upside the upside's like 360 right uh, two, well sure 250 250's like your is <laughs> like a, a 50% retrace of the wedge basically so like well, you don't even go to the top of the wedge you just go part way up you know
1: let's let's measure this out so the other thing about the
0: wedge is that it's way over three quarters completed based on how i'm drawing it. Yeah, which in your mind means that it's not going to it's not going to go well.
1: Well, no, well, okay, so Brant <laughs> you know, I should talk Brant a lot, Peter Brant.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: he has he has sort of filled in some gaps of my Bulkowski pattern uh, knowledge, one of them being like if a triangle is more than 3 quarters complete and it hasn't broken the expected direction, that means it's probably not going to work out. I don't know. For me, arguably, this is three quarters complete. Like, it's good to go as far as a move is concerned. But um, so, based on my projection from the the width of the triangle, I'm looking at 320. Cloud is at 250. Yeah, I mean, the big thing we talk about for sure is volume as well. Um,
0: yeah, I was looking at the, the cloud week. when you said that, uh, or like mm-hmm. when we were talking about how high it could go. The cloud bottom is around 250, cloud top, and it's a bearish cloud, is around 267 right now. Um, So, I just figure that's around probably a 0.5 retrace as well.
1: Yeah, and there's a massive uh, TKC clamp as well. Yeah. So, like, the R&R, so if your stop loss is 160, let's say, even, like, the R&R on that is 6. If you're going to 260, it's five six. If you're going yeah. to 250, like it's still it's really, a really good trade. It's really good.
0: It's really trade. good, it's really good yeah. risk risk versus reward. One thing I'll note though, you can draw, okay, here's my stop and here's my take profit. But that doesn't mean uh-huh. like what's your probability of the trade succeeding. So uh, yeah. it, could, it could be a low probability trade. Your RR then needs to reflect the fact that uh, it's a low probability trade. So you need to have good upside if it breaks up. In this case, when you combine the fact of this wedge with, you know, all that, I do think the uh, risk-reward potential is realistic. Like it's not like you're just drawing oh new highs on Ethereum. <laughs> you know, you're right. You're right. there's a realistic uh, reward there. So therefore, if the risk is X, then it's worth it. That's the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to need some bullish consolidation to get above three seventy, um, but three. 3- Excuse me, 320, 315 is like the middle of the 2017 ascending triangle consolidation. Yeah. And it's the breakdown point of the uh, September 2018 bear flag. I don't know. So yeah, 320, that's why I'm sitting in ETH as well. Like I like the potential for upside here. So yeah, there's the bull div, the falling wedge, the TKC clamp. Um, It's a decent R&R here
0: i was what else? i was looking oh, at yeah. it
1: go ahead uh the PTC pair is basically at a do or die level here uh like you were saying so it's either yeah it either goes to back to o2 no it's at o2 now right uh
0: it's at yeah 0.019 0.18,
1: 0.018. yeah yeah so it either bounces back to the 200 which is at 028 or it bounces to the breakdown level at 0236 yeah like that multi multi-year support level uh, it either does one of those things or it goes to, you know, 0.1. Like right. I, I don't think there's an in between here. Or 0.01. Uh yeah, sorry, 0.01. Um I I don't think it's just going to like sit here for a while, you know. I think it's definitely definitely time to make a move on that that pair.
0: Yeah, sure. I agree. And the, it could totally do the 0.01 move, but to me it was worth the it was worth the risk with um some real tests on the those Bollinger Band lines and the Tinken, um, it's also forming a flat top cloud, uh, bearish. But what we've oftentimes seen as like one of those types that can get, you know, the cloud ends up getting tested, an extended flat cloud type of move. Uh, the Tinken and the Kijun are very far away from each other on ETH BTC, so. That's kind of the, some of the stuff I'm looking at. The other component of this uh, was even though I don't like the ETH setup as much as some others, for instance, like a ZRX is a very similar setup, but it's even more definitively moving above Bollinger Bands uh, and some other altcoins like that. But I can take lower risk by using the same setup on Ethereum and then doing it with leverage. Uh, mm-hmm. Put you know, like so I can. I can make a smaller trade with leverage on Ethereum rather than having to like deploy more capital to a non leveraged altcoin uh, with a slightly better setup. It's kind of how I was looking at it. Whether that will ring true <laughs> and effective, I have no idea yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to how much this Ponzi has to sell,
0: I think, really. <laughs> the Chinese like, Ponzi. I'm going to go yeah, ahead and say they have a lot. They probably have a lot, but I don't know. It's, the market is on to them now. Why don't they wait? Spread it out. I don't, just give me a pump, guys. Just take it easy, Mr. Ponzi. There's
1: something else that we've beaten to death, and people always uh, comment on, like, why are you looking at the USD pair when the BTC pair matters more, blah, blah, blah. Well, I you think can, if you're not looking at...
0: Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I like it.
1: I'll no, no okay. If you're not looking at both, it's like you're selling yourself short by not getting as much information as you can you
0: know yes plus one depending mind, depending on how and where you trade you can trade eth usd uh independent of what you're holding right
1: yeah like you, i mean like there's multiple markets there's a lot of on ramps for eth as well like it's worth paying attention to the usd pair you know yeah um, and you can always you can trade patterns on both you can trade both together, you can do whatever you want. But if you're not looking at, at ETHUSD at all, if you're a trader, you know, if you're a BTC maximalist and you don't care, fine. But if you're a profit maximalist and you're an actual trader in this market who looks at charts and pays attention to stuff, you're going to want to pay attention to USD pairs when there's a lot of on-ramping uh, access to those pairs especially.
0: Right. Like you can, for, As an example to that as well, if you have some confidence in ETHUSD as a viable trade uh there are markets uh bitmex kraken Bybit. maybe i think each of those you can either have Darabit. your collateral if it in bitcoin or usd depending on which one um hmm. places like Deribit, uh kraken allows it but you don't have to you can also have collateral in ethereum um and there you have the exposure to the underlying capital. But if your underlying capital, your collateral, is in either USD or BTC, but you're tra- taking the trade on ETH USD, you're not at risk of losing uh, anything beyond the trade setup. You're not at risk of holding Ethereum uh, if it goes against you. So you can make those choices in terms of your collateral versus your, your trade parameters in your trade setup. Um Now, where you do run into that risk is where you need to certainly be paying attention to ETH-BTC is if you're holding Ethereum on spot, like you bought it off uh, an exchange with your Bitcoin or with your US dollar, and you're holding Ethereum instead of holding Bitcoin, then your ETH-BTC pair makes a lot of sense to look at.
1: Yeah, if you're subject to volatility risk by holding ETH, holding the underlying, you definitely have to pay attention. Um, yeah so yeah so if you're trading the BTC pair or the USD pair using BTC that's fine even if you're trading the U- the ETH pair holding the underlying and you the P&L is um, uh, I don't even know the term but like how Kraken gives it to you in USDT instead of like the underlying yeah I don't know how much margin trading you do on Kraken but
0: yeah when you take the profit it's going to give you the profit in USD
1: right so like in a bull market that's not as good obviously but if i'm like trying to be sniper like in my um timing and positioning like what do i care you know yeah if i if i pinpoint a trade and i get profit in a stable coin basically like okay cool you know that's fine
0: yeah profits profits profit you know
1: yeah and it removes that volatility risk as well so like you know it's, it's like another another problem i have with margin trading the underlying that is isn't btc is like okay my profit's in eth so now what do i do you know it's like do i hedge the (laughs) profit or do i move it to cash or do i just keep it you know because it's like i'm trading a a target specifically it hit the target i took profit on the leverage but then what do i do you know
0: yeah that's just now now they're they've rewarded you in the underlying now that would be that's this this can go into your Factoring. If you're choosing exchanges too, so like Deribit, yeah. Uh, if you're trading on Deribit, um, you can have you can trade Bitcoin and you have to have Bitcoin as your collateral. If you're trading Ethereum, you have to have Ethereum as your collateral, and therefore, when you win, uh, you're <laughs> winning in Ethereum. So if you don't really want to be holding Ethereum, you kind of have to have two positions. You have to have a synthetic right. hedge to basically be USD, and then you also make the Ethereum trade. So like it gets a little more complicated and you end up with more Ethereum and you may not want Ethereum or Ethereum may have lost value relative to Bitcoin, etc. So no, I guess the point is if you're trading with margin, which most of you should not, most of us should not, uh, not that it's financial advice and I'm trying to be your nanny, um, but consider, consider your collateral. Consider the way your trade pairs work together. Consider the way you can hedge, whether it's with things like options versus futures or whether if it's like a straight – uh, perpetual swap or whatever—that all changes depending on where you're trading and how you choose to do it. So, what we say yeah, in terms of what we're looking at may not work for you.
1: And I think in general, most crypto people, like native crypto people, don't care. You know, if you're if you're an ETH maximalist and your profits in ETH, you're happy. If you're a BTC maximalist and your profits in BTC, you're happy. Um, you know what? I'm I'm bearish on
0: maximalists. Whatever I don't I don't care either way I think <laughs> Twitter dramas beyond. Am stupid. I allowed to be a USD maximalist? Is that illegal in crypto?
1: No, that's fine. Um, yeah, so really it it just depends like what you're comfortable with holding. If you're comfortable with volatility risk, if you're comfortable with like a 10 percent downside after a 30 percent upside, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of factors there, but it's just like I really like trading on a lot of exchanges because then it sort of evens everything out. Like I love the margin on Kraken and getting the, the profits in um, a stable coin. Like it just removes a decision from the equation. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I agree with you. I like to spread it out. I do not like having all my chips in a single bucket. If you're going to keep a decent amount of your, um, crypto on exchanges obviously you run into those risks so uh, of exchange risk so that's the other thing you're doing is like you're saying okay well if they get hacked well I've got 20% of what I'm actively trading at that exchange so whatever yeah that would I mean, that would suck of- but <laughs> you know the other thing is if you're trying to like if you say you know what I am so into this particular position I'm going to uh, put everything into that one trade. Well, if you do if you have to do that on like five different exchanges, that could suck too. But you probably shouldn't yeah. do that anyway, so. Yeah, I mean
1: counterparty counterparty risk and custody are big deals for sure
0: in crypto like, particularly. Like,
1: yeah, specifically in crypto. I mean, it's like insurance on yourself, you know. Yeah. Not your keys, not your coins. Don't put everything on one exchange. That's why leverage kind of exists instead of uh, you know, leveraging Everything, or instead of not using leverage and going 100% long, you can use 10x leverage, go 10% long, keep the rest of the coins in cold storage. 90% of your coins in cold storage, and effectively you're, you know, one x long, right?
0: That's how it works. That's the. But
1: a lot of people don't use leverage like that, right? They use leverage as like casino gambling style.
0: So well, that was how it was designed, but. Yeah, people would rather say, but I only have $1,000, but I want to trade with $10,000 so I can get the benefit of $10,000. So that's why I'm going right. to trade with 10X. But that's not what it means. That's not that's right. not how it was designed. It was designed like you said. But Nevertheless, people could do what they want. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there any other newsy stuff that we should care about before we hop off?
1: Uh, so I did EOS, BTC, and ETH articles this week. Check how, those
0: out. How did yeah. those go? I saw you were you were fudding my trade here. Technicals point to bear market conditions for Ethereum.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, the
0: litmus tests say bear market. That's true. So, <laughs> that's true. I'm just trying to maybe, I'm just trying to catch that knife.
1: <clears throat> maybe this is just a mean reversion play here we're talking about 320 350 whatever, you know, I don't know. But you know, the trends say bear the uh, pattern says possible reversal. Uh BTC. you were,
0: you were trying to ask people like hey what are the use cases of ethereum is it anything beyond oh, yeah. defi? Did you get any good answers to that?
1: No, not really. Like seriously though, like I don't I don't I can't think of anything. I'm not like just trying to like shit on ethereum here. I just don't know of any uh, people are talking about dapps or whatever, but um, like if you look at if you look at Uh, the gas ETH gas station website. They have like a list of the top smart contracts that are um, spending gas, and the number one contract is the uh, Tether contract. So it's like Hmm. DApps don't mean jack shit. (laughs) It's all about it's all about the stablecoin transactions right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, So Vitalik, uh, he tweeted a, a poll. And he said, lending DAI to compound, which I guess is one of the interest-bearing things, uh, it offers is, yeah. 11.5 DeFi. annual interest rates. U.S. 10-year treasuries offer 1.5%. Why the discrepancy? And the options are temporary <laughs> market inefficiency, uh, risk of DAI collapsing, risk of compound breaking, or other. Uh, And I commented, shout out to the temporary market inefficiency, Hopium Bros, because 20% of respondents said the only reason or the primary reason, the vote worthy reason uh, for a discrepancy of U.S. 10 year treasuries and lending die to compound, 20% said it was a temporary market inefficiency, which, you know, (laughs) what I just find that glorious. Like, shout out to you person who trusts smart contracts to call it a temporary market efficiency and not a complete risk of die collapsing because it's an absolute experiment, uh, much less compound than whatever smart contracts are running the system. But, you know, you that do. That was you.
1: my, I had seen this poll, <clears throat> this poll, but that was my vote, the risk of die collapsing. Same. Um, yeah, so with this, you have not only the risk of die collapsing, but obviously the risk of compound breaking, which is probably a higher risk, honestly. Yeah. Um, and the other thing he didn't mention is that um, if you make a CDP, there's an 18.5% uh, stability fee. <laughs> so, so aren't you just like at negative, negative 7% there?
0: What is a CDP and what is a stability okay.
1: fee? Okay. Uh, okay. So, DAO is what you use, to the smart contract you use to make a collateralized debt position. So, you send it ETH. It spits out DAI. You can leverage up x percent that changes your liquidation price um, and the stability fee helps keep Dai at peg to a dollar so when there's when they have trouble keeping it stable they increase the st- stability fee which is what they did uh, last year and it's been sitting at 20.5% which is insane uh, you can get a better rate from Vinny the Chin down the street <laughs> 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 than the maker maker DAO um CDP so yeah so but but if you buy like if you buy DAI on um uh Coinbase for instance like I can see that because like when you're not when you're not holding the CDP yourself mm-hmm. I don't really know how that works you know it's like you're then you're subject to DAI volatility DAI volatility but um yeah. yeah, I don't know. There's like, there's a lot of hidden stuff there that he's not talking about.
0: <laughs> well, um, despite my conversation with Lewis a couple months back, um, yeah. I, I'm still confused about the world of Ethereum. I actually asked this guy uh, if he could come on the podcast. I won't name him, but he's like a Ethereum. If Bitcoin money, replaces money, Ethereum needs to replace banks type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it. I just need to know more. I need to understand. And it, to me, it seems like there are many risks and there's much to do in that realm. And even if it works, I don't know how and if that affects the price of Ethereum itself. I guess Ethereum 2.0 is going to like make it more money-ish, make it more uh, what scarce. Um, S- scarce? Scarce. <laughs> <laughs> more scarce. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Temporary market inefficiencies, though. Come on. I
1: think in general, a lot of anybody in crypto feels that like um, underbanked, unbanked people are like going to be, you know, crypto is going to be their savior. So it's like they have this use case in mind, but in reality, it's like no, all crypto is being used for speculation. Like, yes, there's some some unbanked and underbanked people using uh, probably BTC more than anything. I can't, I don't have any data to back that up, other than. What I'm seeing, uh, and everybody I've asked about why
0: they're using these lending platforms, all of it is just to leverage for being long Ethereum.
1: Right. So
0: (laughs) all all these
1: all these CDPs are just long Ethereum. You know, all of them. So
0: they 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 highlight the things like, oh yeah, we're doing it so that we can borrow to buy a house using crypto as collateral or something. I don't. That's not really what's happening. Not
1: not often. It's just like salt. I mean, salt was the same thing. Oh man! Yeah, I'm surprised salt is still around,
0: but no, salt is not still around. Salt is salt it's, is dead. But you, it's, it's not. It's hard to I'm kill salt. Sure it it's hard to kill salt, Josh. How do you ruin? Okay. How do you? How do you truly ruin salt?
1: Well, anyway, that is a very similar system, you know. But most people were using that for leveraged trading, as far as I, yeah. I know. Anyway. Yeah, it was a that was
0: a true lending platform. There are other lending. Uh, platforms though,
1: yeah, Nexo. There, there are a few.
0: Yeah, Nexo is the one that I've heard is like salt, but like structured much, much, much better. Uh, whereas uh, salt itself was just a horrible, you know, structure th- of something. So don't don't. Well, do the something. idea
1: behind salt is that you could use your crypto to, as collateral. Yes, yes, but which, it was very expensive. which was attractive to a lot of people. It was. It is expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing with uh, Maker. In MakerDAO you're using your crypto as collateral, you're using ETH. They're going to have multi-collateral DAI soon, which means they're going to enable BTC uh, CDPs, basically. So it's going to be the same shit, you know?
0: You know, natural salt without additives will not go bad. So, good luck. <laughs> good luck killing that salt.
1: Sounds like crypto Twitter to me.
0: <laughs> There's plenty, plenty of salt to go around. Uh, And it'll be here for a long time. All right. I don't really have anything else to say, but there's our conversation of the week. Any major takeaways? Yeah. Uh,
1: No, other than, you know, BTC bullish, ETH bearish, wait for the falling wedge. Um, You know, also look like garbage in general.
0: Just bottom things, man. Just yeah. bottom things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about bottom things, but you know, watching macro legacy stuff melt
0: down is great. Is yeah, I think it? that's been yeah. really interesting to me as much as anything. I wanna continue learning how Bitcoin is correlating, and I guess altcoins as well. Uh, I I do, d I don't put Bitcoin and altcoins near in the same basket. Like if Bitcoin is some kind of risk-off asset, I still consider altcoins a risk-on asset. And so the inverse correlation makes sense to continue to me, at least inverse volatility. Um, Yeah, I blogged about a couple other things. I'm trying to blog a little bit every day. That's my plan. That's my goal here for a bit. So y'all keep me accountable. Uh, I wrote about metal, that scammer, well, PR stuntman, whatever you want to call him, Eric Finman, trying to say (sighs) metal is a Libra killer. I said, no, it's not. And I wrote about the concept of zombie tokens, which we've talked on the podcast before about just that floating market cap of unsellable tokens out there in the world. So if you guys want to learn about what I – or see what I'm writing, it's on lettersize.com. I tweet those articles out when I write them. Josh, you're writing your normal three articles a week, and they're they're good. You talked about the number of good. Ethereum. That's
1: the best adjective. They're you terrific. Use They're so stupendous. They're wondrous. I spent hours deeply researching these topics okay yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we talked about compound there are 107 million ethereum locked into compound 270 million locked into maker that's what i learned from your ethereum post that's crazy to me
1: yeah it's a lot of stuff There's a lot of eth and defi but there's also a lot of eth in general <laughs> there's just so.
0: a lot of eth a lot of eth to be sold that's uh, right yeah all right well, y'all go to uh, letterstats.com slash BNC to check everything out that Josh is doing there, writing great articles. Subscribe to their newsletters. <laughs> they're great. It's, it's your daily starter. Drink your coffee and read your Brave New Coin newsletter. That's how yeah, you do it. Yeah, they're great.
1: They're short. That's what I, they're bullet points. So it's just like what I love.
0: Yeah, they're, n- they're not I hitting got. you. They're not hitting you with like 300 words of text b- before every no. article. You can choose what you want to dig in on. Follow Josh at Carpe Knocked Him on Twitter. Follow me at letter Status, and we will catch you next time. Monuments crumble in the blink of an eye. The easy river has just run dry. In a house of cards, I feel the breath Wound so tight I can barely breathe Oh, the chains Oh, the chains